Lord, save me. Peter said as he sank in the waters of the Sea of Galilee. Looking up at the Lord's hand, the Lord was ready and willing to save Peter from sinking in the water. You and I need to realize that we are lost in sin and the Lord's hand is extended to each of us and He is willing and He is able to save each of us from drowning in the depths of sin. This month, in the month of March, we have looked at Lord, save me from my sins. Lord, save me the faith that I must have in Jesus. Lord, save me that I must repent of the sins which I have committed. This morning we are going to talk about Lord, save me as we confess Him as Lord and as we are immersed in water for the remission of our sins. By way of introduction this morning, I'd like to point out to you there are no common law marriages in spiritual matters. I remember very vividly when I first learned of the idea of common law marriages. And I realize that some of our younger people may not even know what that is. I was probably about 13 or 14 years old. My father had rented a house to a family and the man had been killed in the front yard of that house. His supposed sister-in-law had shot him while she was drunk. And I remember my father coming back very disturbed that someone had been shot at one of our houses. But I also remember him making the statement, I didn't know that they had a common law marriage. In the state of Alabama during that period of time, if a man and a woman lived together as husband and wife for a period of seven years, the government considered them being married. I don't know what the laws are today. It's sort of difficult to know what anything's about these days with regards to our government. But there are no common law marriages in spiritual things. Lagarde Smith wrote a book several years ago, and the first part of the book has some very good ideas in it. But on page 206, he suggests that maybe, hopefully, that God will accept people who've attended and been faithful over the years in their attendance. But the Bible does not teach that. Many people attend church and think as if somehow, if I am going to church every Sunday and my husband, my wife, they're members that somehow when we get to the day of judgment, God's going to say, okay, it's sort of like a common law marriage. No, the Bible does not teach that. There is a time and there is a place where you solemnize your commitment and your conversion. A time when you become a child of God. When a person makes the good confession and is baptized for the remission of their sins, it is the Lord who adds them to his body, the church, and they get to wear the Lord's name. In Acts 2 and verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. 
Those who were added to the church are described in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26 as being called Christians first in Antioch. This morning, what I would like for us to do is to look at three things. Number one, I'd like for us to look at an indication of faith. How is it that I let others know that I believe that Jesus is the Christ? Number two, I want to look at immersion in water. That's what is meant by being baptized. And then number three, the induction into God's family. What does that entail? What does that benefit come to me? Let's look first of all at an indication of faith. You know when you read in the Bible the word confess, it means that you are agreeing to something or acknowledging something. The original word which you have in the Bible, the first part of that word which means sane. The second part of that word means to say. So I say the same thing by my life or by what I confess. Let me give you an illustration or two. In Acts 23 and verse 8, For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection or angel or spirit. But the Pharisees confess both. They say we believe that the Bible teaches. We agree with that. We acknowledge that. Or in Acts 24 verse 14, Paul standing before the Roman court says to them, But I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, So I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I confess. I will tell you, I agree with that. I acknowledge that. John 1 and verse 20. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. John the Baptist would say, I want to acknowledge I am not the Christ. Don't look at me as the Christ, he would say. Matthew 3, verse 6, talking about those people who came to John in the wilderness. It says, and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were acknowledging them. They were owning up to them. But the good confession is where one acknowledges and indicates that he has faith in Jesus Christ. The best passage that I can think of to illustrate this point is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. I want you to listen carefully as Paul first addresses what Timothy did and then what Jesus did. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. You see, Paul says, Timothy, you made the good confession before many witnesses. You acknowledged that you believed that he was the Christ, just like when Jesus himself stood before Pilate, and Pilate wanted to ask if Jesus were a king, and he says, it is as you said. He was the Christ, the Son of God. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Paul writes the Romans that if you confess with your mouth 
the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's something that we say, and if you put it with First Timothy chapter 6, it's something we say in front of witnesses. In John chapter 12, we read about those people, though, who were not willing to do that. He said in verse 42, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him because of the Pharisees. They did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now, I think everybody understands that. There are people who acknowledge in their mind, yes, I believe there's a God, and yes, I believe Jesus is the Christ. But for whatever reason, perhaps fear of their fellow man, as these were, they're not willing to confess it. And in Matthew 16, verses 16 through 18, as the Lord was with the disciples in the area of Caesarea Philippi, he had asked them, who did men say he was? There was a lot of speculation at that time. Peter responded very plainly, very clearly. Simon answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, when sending those disciples out on the limited commission, he said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We understand that if we're going to serve God and do so acceptably, and we are going to become a child of God, we're going to have to say and acknowledge with our mouth that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now I want to transition into the second point that we are going to study about immersion in water. And I'd like for you to look with me at the text that was read just a few minutes ago from Acts chapter 8 beginning with verse 36. Philip had been sent by the Lord to Samaria. He had been called away to specifically teach a specific man, a eunuch from Ethiopia. They had begun their study at Isaiah chapter 53. And I feel confident that the eunuch was interested very much in this portion of the book of Isaiah because... When you get to chapter 56, there's some specifics that apply to him. But as they study through that section, Philip preaches Jesus to him. And when he preaches Jesus to him, there is a natural response to that. Beginning with verse 36, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe, 
with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariots to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Do you see the connection with the confession of his faith and being baptized? Those two tie together. Quite frequently when a person says, I want to be baptized... I will explain to them before a person was baptized. They were asked a very important question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And as the eunuch said here, he did. And he believed with all of his heart. But you see, water is the element in which one is baptized. That evidently was clearly a part of the message that Philip had preached because the eunuch said, see, here's Water. When I go to John chapter 3, verse 23, now John was baptizing in Aena near Salem because there was much water there and they came and were baptized. If there is no significance to what a person might be baptized in, then there would be no mention of the fact that there was water that is the element in which one is baptized. But there is also an indication here of what will be even further emphasized, that it is an immersion. If it was only the sprinkling of a little water or the pouring of a little water, then John would not have needed to go to this location because there was much water there. But you see, immersion, burial is the manner in which a person is baptized. You can go to the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism. Baptism is where you immerse someone completely under. Someone says, oh, well, you're just being nitpicky about that. Oh, no, no. That's exactly what the text teaches, that a person was completely immersed. Colossians 2.12, buried with him in baptism. That's the manner in which it was done. But key to this is understanding that it is for the remission of sins. That when a person is baptized, before they're baptized, their sins are there. After they are baptized, their sins are forgiven. Notice with me, Acts 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. A couple of Wednesday nights ago we discussed this. We talked about the meaning of the word for. In fact, in the Greek language there's two main words used for for. One means because of, the other means in order to. And the Holy Spirit inspired Peter here to use the one which means in order to. So a person is baptized in order to receive remission of sins. In Acts 22 verse 16, Paul recounting his own conversion says that Ananias came and then said to him, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and 
Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. When Peter wrote his general epistle in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, he says there's an antitype which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Folks, I don't think that there's any more clear subject in the New Testament than the teaching on baptism that a person must do it in order for his sins to be forgiven. But if you were even questioning Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Folks, that's pretty simple. That's the message that Jesus commissioned to be preached anywhere and everywhere that men needed to go. Now let me ask you a question. Why would a person not do this? Why would a person object to it? Here is the Lord, and he says, this is what I want you to preach. This is what I want you to do. Why would anybody say, I'm not going to do that? I'd like to give you a couple of illustrations. The first one is found in Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, there's a reason why the Pharisees rejected the baptism of John. Let me look at that passage with you for just a moment. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. I suggest to you there's two reasons why these Pharisees and lawyers were not baptized. The first one is what is found in verse 29. They saw everybody coming to John's baptism. And in their minds is, we're special. If that's everybody's going to be a part of it, it's no longer special. Have you ever noticed that something will be a trend? Maybe the movie stars or somebody will cut their hair a certain way, wear a certain kind of clothing, and then when everybody else starts wearing it, you know what they do? They change. Because they don't want to be like the common people. They don't want to be like the ordinary people. The Pharisees didn't want to be like the ordinary people. They wanted to be above them. But a second reason why that they refused it was because they didn't think they needed it. They viewed themselves as righteous and all others they would set at naught. They thought they were not righteous. You can see that in Luke chapter 18. Why do people today refuse to be baptized? Some of them have a prejudice in their minds of saying, I'm not going to do it. If others are doing it, we're going to be on the other side of it. There are some people also who believe they don't need it. 
in 2 Kings chapter 5, you have the example of Naaman. Naaman was given specific instructions by Elisha the prophet. He was a leper and he had gone to try to find some sort of healing. Then Naaman stood with his horses and chariot, or went with his horses and chariot, and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Naaman had his mind made up that there was a way in which it should be done and any other way made him mad. Why do people refuse to be baptized? They don't want to do it. They've got their own mind made up about how they think it ought to be done. Let me tell you what happens in the religious world today. There are people who come along and say, now all you need to do is say the sinner's prayer. You know the problem with that? The sinner's prayer is nowhere to be found in Scripture at all. None. That's man's idea, not God's idea. But did you keep reading in 2 Kings 5? He says, Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. I've got another plan that I think is just as good as God's plan. You drop down to verse 14. He finally recognizes, I need to do what God told me to do. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Oh, why won't people do what God says to do? If you do it, you will get the blessing that God has provided. Third part of our lesson, induction into the family. You see, we talked about the indication of our faith in the confession, the immersion in water for the remission of our sins, but baptism is that stage that you go through in order to be put into the family of God. If you go to the book of Galatians, to chapter 3, and beginning with verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you're of Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're baptized into Christ. We're baptized into the family of God. That's when we get to enjoy the inheritance that only comes to those who are sons of God. It's not the only place where that idea is found. 
In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. You say, well, what does he mean by the body? Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23. He put all things under his feet and gave him head to be over all things to the church, which is his body. We're all baptized into the one body, the one church, the one family of God. And Acts 2, verse 41, Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And there added to them that day about 3,000 souls. Verse 47 again, And the Lord added the church daily those who were being saved. I don't do the adding. No man does the adding. God does the adding. He puts you in his family with all the blessings that that entails. What that results in is a whole new person. You've got a whole new relationship. In Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should be no longer slaves of sin. We're a different person in a different family. No longer are we walking with the devil and his people. I try to think about Peter as those waves rolled around him. And as he was sinking, and he looks up at the Lord and he cries out, Lord, save me. And the Lord's hand reaches out to take hold of Peter. And Peter says, no, I don't want you to give me your hand. I want you to give me a life preserver. No. You're crying out, Lord, save me. You're not going to dispute the conditions. If the Lord is trying to save you, you're going to cooperate with whatever He provides. Failure to accept the Lord's offer is not an option. Either you accept it are you drowned? Now, do you understand that? Either you accept it or you drowned. What we have discussed over the past four weeks is clear, folks. If the Lord has offered salvation and we say, I don't want it, we're the ones who've chosen to drown in the depths of sin. This morning, we'd like to encourage you to act upon your faith. If you do believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, why not come forward this morning and tell this audience, I believe that. Then to be baptized in water, everything is ready, the garments are ready,
I can assure you that this audience this morning will be more than happy to give you time to be baptized for the remission of your sins. Don't think that this is not something that is extremely important. And if you are one of God's children and you look at your life and you're saying, I need to come back and be faithful, why not come while together we stand and sing?